precious thing together, standing strong forever. Nothing's gonna stop us now. And in this world without lovers, <laughs> no one wants to we hear you do that. We still have each other. Uh, hello uh, and welcome to a rather festive episode of Pot on You Loons. I'm Justin. Pot on You Loons. I'm Sam. You can blame Justin for making me sing a line there. I didn't finish um, the line, but. Listen, listen. I think it was necessary because we won a playoff. We won our second playoff game. We're in the Western Conference Finals, Sam. Western Conference Finals. Let's go. I saw a graphic that uh, that showed Minnesota sports teams and how far they've gotten. And this is the first time since 2017 when the Vikings lost in the NFC Championship game that a Minnesota sports team is in the the like conference finals. That's depressing, but I'm very happy to be here, Sam. It's exciting stuff. I am Justin is like the Minnesota sports fan. He likes all of them. I. Not so much a Minnesota sports fan, though I like more of those teams than than people probably realize. It's just there's two big ones I don't like. But yeah, I'm I'm hoping, right? Like I'm I'm hoping that my fandom of the loons does not replicate the typical Minnesota sports fan experience. And I, I think the rest of you are on that boat too. So I'm just not rowing that boat. <laughs> Should we get into it? Yeah, let's do this, man. Yeah, before we get going, though, just remember, follow us on Facebook and Twitter, Instagram. If you like the pod, subscribe to it. Rate it if you can, especially on iTunes. It really does help us in the search engine, making sure that when people type in Minnesota United in Apple Podcasts, that they see our podcast and not some random twins podcast or some random wild podcast. Because... Right now, if you just type in Minnesota United into Apple Podcasts, you come up with way more that has nothing to do with Minnesota United before you'd see Pot on You Loons. So if you like Pot on You Loons, if you like potting on with us, those little things, they go a long way. Plus, it's fun. We we do this to interact with people. We We do this because, right, like Justin, I don't mean to speak for the two of us, but as far as Loons fandom goes, we were kind of all each other had until we started this podcast and we've met some cool people since then who have reached out and we love it. Yeah. It's been super awesome. It's, it's good to see, good to see the fan base growing and having a group of people that are open to new fans. Absolutely. Now, because of the weird, there, there was a weird break in between the last game and this game at sporting Kansas city. We haven't recorded in a while. It, doesn't totally seem like it, but it was a week and a half since our last episode, and a lot of news has happened, man. We'll start with Diego Maradona, dead at age 60. At, at this point, it's old news. Now, Justin, I I personally, I feel I am too new to the sport to totally appreciate the significance of Diego Maradona and the impact he had on the game. I understand it. But I, I don't have just this list of Diego Maradona memories, either because I'm too new to the sport or too young. I think even if we were paying attention since we were kids, we might have been too young. I don't know. What about you? I mean, I've done like the YouTube, you know, YouTube rabbit hole or whatever, watching old highlights. And he did some fantastic stuff. I mean, obviously, the big thing that I know him from is the hand of God, you know, the the infamous handball that he scored on that he yeah. claims isn't a handball. But come on, dude. There it is. 
you know, and I also just know of him being like a, a huge, you know, personality in the sport. Maybe obviously like I wasn't a fan when he played, but cause he, he, I mean, he played up until not too long ago, I guess maybe like the late nineties, early two thousands, but he's been a coach. Like he's always been around the game. I mean, Argentinian soccer is huge anyway. So, right. So like, he's just a face and a person that, that everybody knows. It's a bummer to see him go uh, kind of a rock star, right? Like that was kind of his thing. So it is what it is, but it's always bad when you see, uh, it's always tough to see, uh, you know, a major person in your sport be lost. Well, and as a fan of a team that does have an Argentinian player wearing number 10, right, we have been told a little bit about what the significance of that number is to a player like Emmanuel Reynoso. So rest in peace, Diego Maradona. Significantly more fun news. Former Minnesota United coach from the NASL days, Carl Craig, selected as the next head coach for forward Madison FC, man. He's such a big you know, person, I don't know him personally, I guess, but like you just keep hearing all the stories from the players that everybody loved him. So it's a bummer to see him go, but Ford Madison's lucky to have him. Like you said, I, I do not personally know him. I know people who personally know him and they all say just the nicest things about him. I also, I, I knew of his resume, but I had never really internalized it. And I think the whole like Heath out movement is just based on how awesome of a dude Carl Craig was, because just take a look at this resume. So besides being the assistant coach of Minnesota United from 2010 to 2015, and then the head coach in 2016, dude was former, he was a punk rocker who toured with Chumbawamba. I get knocked down and I get up again. Yeah, that Chumbawamba. You're never going to keep me down? Come on, sing their other song. They have another song? They had that one called like Amnesia. The do you? They don't have another song, Sam. They have one song, and we know it's tub thumping, and that's it. We should go tub thumping sometime after the, <laughs> after the COVID. I just I just remember that uh, back in the day, not to get. I mean, I'm gonna get off on the tangent. Whatever, I'll do it anyway. Uh, we had like a sixth grade dance, and our teacher gave us the ability to like bring in CDs to play. And I brought two CDs because I had two songs that I wanted to play. I wanted Tub Thumping by Chumbawamba and I wanted Lou Bega's Mamba Number no. 5. I wanted those in the the dance. And she told me no to both because they both have a bunch of like alcohol references. In them. <laughs> and I'm just like, whatever, man. I don't listen to that part. We'll just dance. <laughs> but no, no Tub Thumping at my sixth grade dance. I, I don't listen to the part of tub thumping that's about drinking. It's all about drinking, right? Yes. Isn't that what tub thumping is? Is drinking? I just <laughs> Pissing the night away. Pissing the night away. <laughs> Man, the episode we don't have James on. No one here to tell us what tub thumping actually is. <laughs> so he toured with them. That's dope. Yeah. What else? Toured with what, else? what else? Well, he was in a punk rock band, right? Yeah. Of course, we knew he was. he was really the the driving force behind the Wonderwall tradition that dates back to 2011 when the video surfaced of, of him leading, leading the players singing Chumbawamba in the locker room and like banging on Gatorade. But dude, you just keep hearing about all these stories about the guy just going out, drinking beers with the fans after the games, hanging out, just being an all around good guy. 
as I said, I know people in my personal life that aren't even fans of the loons that have crossed paths with them. And they, they talk about just how great of a guy he is. And yeah, like that's not Adrian Heath's fault. Right. Like, and I, I can kind of understand Adrian Heath. He is an MLS level coach and he's not going to fill those shoes of a lower division soccer coach that is ready to be part of it all. Uh, Adrian Heath just wasn't ready to fill those shoes. And I can understand it more how longtime fans of the team, you know, not us, right? We, we jumped on the bandwagon when the team was granted the MLS franchise, but longtime fans of the team, they probably miss that a lot. Anyway, congratulations, Carl Craig. You're going to, if, if I do say so, you're going to a fantastic city. And I do hope that I can make it, make it next summer to a few of those games he is going to be joined in Madison by 20-year-old St. Paul native Michael Vang, who also had his contract renewed with Forward Madison. So he is a Mingo for another year before he maybe ends up over here. We'll see. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. How about this one, Justin? Uh, last week, did you get to watch the U.S. women's national team defeat the Netherlands 2-0? to zero? I didn't, but that's awesome. I know that James isn't really, like, other than just living there, he doesn't have a ton of affiliation, but I... I say, I, I was, suck it. You can't say suck it on here. That would be against our our rating. But James, yeah, that's right. Take that, James. Take that, James. Well, and I know Rose Lavelle had a great goal. It was a week ago, so I already kind of forgot what it was. I remember <laughs> it being pretty long range. And then... Not Samantha Mewis, but Christy Mewis comes Ooh, on, gets that okay. second goal. She comes on as a sub. So we had both the Mewis sisters on. Christy Mewis gets the goal. So congratulations, Rose and Christy. And Netherlands, great team. One of the best teams in the world. So we're, we keep talking about how the U.S. women's national team had such a head start on the rest of these football powerhouses. We keep talking about how these European countries are starting to catch up. Well, not so fast. And then just final bit of news before we get on to this awesome game at Sporting Kansas City. Our old boy Vito Minone, three-game win streak as he is actually starting for AS Monaco. Vito Minone brought into Monaco, which is, that's a big team, brought into Monaco as their backup, but he has started the past three games after the goalkeeper with a very French-sounding name. I guess Benjamin's <laughs> not very French-sounding, but Le Comont, Le Comonté. Whatever you want to say, Sam. Whatever you LeCompte. want to say. I w- Again, why isn't James on right now? Benjamin Lecompte injures his hand. So he, he's going to come back. Vito won't be starting forever. But in the meantime, Monaco wins all three of those games that Vito starts, including, including a 3-2 victory against Paris Saint-Germain. Our guy, Vito Minone, former goalkeeper of the year from Minnesota United, now sharing the field with the likes of Kylian Mbappe and his teammate, one of my all-time faves, Cesc Fabregas. Like we've talked about this before. It was a bummer to see him go. You know, we both were big fans of his, and he liked Minnesota. You know, family pushed him to to go back to Europe, and I'm I'm glad that he's getting a chance because he's a good player. And, and as I've said, I am not a Vikings fan, but it is cool seeing him wear those Viking shorts on social media, because to me that shows he did enjoy his time here and he did form a connection with this state and it, it was mutual Vito. I know you're listening right now. 
the connection is mutual. <laughs> You're a guy, and it's exciting to see you doing well over in Monaco. Agreed, agreed. All right, Sam, let's talk about this game. Because we had a big one last night. We did. I don't know if you knew. We did. Should we get in a hizzy first, though? What's the hizzy we're going to get into? Well, just the game was rescheduled from Wednesday to Thursday. All right, you're you're a big NFL guy, so this normally would be in the big CF, right? But it directly impacted Minnesota United. So Baltimore Ravens supposed to play the Pittsburgh Steelers on Thanksgiving Day. That game kept being postponed until eventually landing on Wednesday, December second. Ravens were also scheduled to play Dallas on Thursday, December third. Right, so Ravens can't play. The Steelers on December 2nd turn around and play Dallas on December 3rd. So that's not going to work, which means that Fox's Thursday night spot wide open. So on the normal Fox channel, the network channel that you can get with the bunny ears, that primetime spot is available because they're not showing Thursday night football. MLS moves the Minnesota United Sporting Kansas City game from Wednesday to Thursday to accommodate Fox. Of course, the conference final, right? The Western Conference final we're now about to play, postponed to Monday, December 7th. What this means now, basically, and why it's a little bit of a bummer, is Seattle now has two more days of rest compared to Minnesota United, where previously they would have only had one extra day of rest. I don't know, man. You in a hizzy? <laughs> uh, I mean, I don't know. You seem more worked up about this than I than I was, but I'm... I was just pumped to hear they're playing on Fox. You know, like I don't, I don't know. We've we've talked before. I don't know how much playing on a national channel increases the exposure, but it's got to be something, right? So, hopefully, there were people in the state of Minnesota and I guess around the country that got a chance to watch the Loons play. And I think as we talk about this game, this was a good game for people that didn't watch the Loons to watch. There was a lot of fun stuff that happened. And anytime you score three goals in 12 minutes, it's kind of crazy, right? And and people get excited. But, like, you know, the, the attention has shifted to this team, which is awesome. Like, local attention and maybe some of national attention. Who knows? Um, but I think it helps being on Fox, right? Because even you, did you still have a time delay, Sam? Or did you at least get to watch this one live? Live, live. I probably, because I was watching on YouTube TV, so I probably still have the time delay. I guess I could have used, we have an antenna, but we, we don't use the antenna. Yeah. I mean, it sucks that we got like, you know, we're going to be a little less rested than them, but I think that it was really cool to have such a great win on national TV. Yeah, I agree. I, I agree. You, you want, you want the MLS to get exposure. Sometimes it just feel like, remember in the hunger games when Katniss seems to have everything figured out and she's just chilling up in the tree and then the viewers back home they're worried about them getting bored so whoever's controlling the hunger games just sends like killer bees after her <laughs> yes right i i just that's kind of what the season is right like 2020 is like every time you think you have it figured out something else happens and i don't know if i was running the MLS, I would try to make it as less like the Hunger Games as possible, but like, I get it. I get it. Right. And honestly, like Minnesota United ownership probably was happy about this. If you own Minnesota United, you're probably happy. Your team is on primetime Fox during the Thursday night football slot. So Sam, Sam, 
like you're just you're making me laugh and making me think of some a meme that someone sent me and it was like and I, maybe it was even you i don't know who it was but they sent me and it was like now we after all this this all the switching of the the ravens game for the nfl they were like you guys know we know for a fact now that in the dark knight rises after bane blows up the stadium that game would have continued you know <laughs> like <laughs> After Bane blows up the stadium, and I think everyone's fallen into a pit except for like Heinz so, many players, like that. so many players, so many players. If I remember, it keep was, it going. Yeah, keep it going. <laughs> well, I I get that it puts one team at a competitive disadvantage, but the the show must go on. We must declare money, a champion. Get that money. But hey, who knows, Sam? Maybe. Maybe that extra day is the way we got Ozzy Alonso in the lineup, you know, like maybe having an extra day of rest leading up to that allowed us to have the lineup that we had in place. You never know, right? Sure. And hey, credit to our listeners and Twitter followers, as well as I I think quite a few Seattle Sounders fans got a hold of this. Thanks to Cameron, who you're going to hear from later. But (laughs) we we put up a pregame poll. 77% of you predicted the Western Conference final would be Seattle versus Minnesota United FC. Total, 90% of you predicted Minnesota United to advance, and 86% of you predicted Seattle to advance. So do we have some smart listeners, or do we just have a lot of Minnesota and Seattle homers that weighed in on this? It It could be both. Yeah. A lot right. of Seattle people weighed in. And I don't I don't know why they wanted SKC to lose so bad, if it was just that they wanted home field advantage for the Western Conference final or what. But you guys got it dead on. There were like 100 of you that voted, and 77% of you got it right. So excellent job there. Anyway, man, the game. So you want to give us a rundown of the lineup? So in goal, Dane St. Clair. Backline, Ramon Metnair, Michael Boxall. Debassi and Gasper, Greg Oos and Alonzo, that familiar pair back in the middle. Great to see Finlay, Reynoso, and Molino. And then our boy Lode playing that false nine again. Uh, and then the bench, the gigantic bench, right? With with COVID life, Kamara, Schoenfeld, Harrison, Aha, uh, Billingsley, Zendejas, Hayes, Chacon, and Dotson. There we go. Huge bench. Huge bench. So much bench. How how good what how good was it to see this lineup and like I, I know you know I, I feel like we've improved our feelings on load or at least I have like if you would have told me at the beginning of the season like load's gonna be our number nine in the playoffs I'd be like what is going on right but how great is it after this just crazy season that we've had to have a lineup like this right where like for one one thing Hassani Dotson who who knows if he's hundred percent healthy. But how great is it to have him be that super sub off the bench, right? To know that we can put him wherever we need to put him at when we need to do a sub. And just to, to have so much like firepower up front. Like that's that's the thing that I'm I was most excited for. And that's probably why we're scoring scoring three goals a game. But like we got a really good group up front without having a traditional striker, right? That's that's been productive. Yeah, this is a great lineup. This is Besides, say, the first two games of the season, and even then, it's debatable, this is the most complete lineup we have had all season long. And sure, like we, we can dream about what it would have looked like with Luis Amaria up top, 
right? We can we can think about what would have been. We we can think about how Ike Opara would have fit in, but it, it you know, and Tyler Miller for that matter, but Dane St. Clair has fit in at, at that number one spot very nicely. But Real Baki nice. De, Baki DeBassi and Michael Boxell's playing out of his mind and Lude's doing a good job up top. So this, this may be, right, this may be the best lineup we have had. This is our optimal lineup, right? This is our optimal lineup of the entire season. And I'm, I'm happy about it. And I'm happy that we finally have it ready when it actually matters. We struggled through some boring games at Dallas and Houston, right? <laughs> or just even like, you know, like it feels like it's, he's prerogative, but Heath is fine with a 1-0 win. Like he, that's what, that's kind of the game I feel like he wants to play, right? Like he wants us to have a great defensive, you know, a defensive setup so that we're not scoring a lot of goals or trying not to. And we just want to edge out a win. But man, this doesn't feel like that kind of team. That's good, right? Like scoring goals is awesome. Well, it's a lot of offensive firepower right now. Crazy first half though. Crazy. I was stressed. I was so stressed, Sam. This whole well, like, or like, or at least the first like ten minutes, right? Yeah, yeah. I think may- maybe SKC got us fifteen minutes of just craziness. Like barely a minute in, Johnny Russell already has just a great opportunity where chips the ball over Dane St. Clair and Boxy just swoops in for the rescue, clears it off the goal line, and then like four minutes later, Busio also looks incredibly dangerous, has this amazing opportunity, and just we're lucky he slips because it was a slippery field that night. Man, it was it was stressful. It was very physical. I, I remember, Justin, at one point you you texted me and they're like, you were like, there's going to be a lot of yellow cards tonight. Because and there were, Sam. <laughs> everyone's getting into it. Like Molino's getting into it. Reynoso, Gregush, Metinair, they're all participating, either, either doing the hitting or getting hit. And then again, Johnny Russell back at it, like just a few minutes later, looking dangerous again. He had our backline beat and Dane St. Clair makes a great save off a close range shot. And, and sorry, like I keep saying, and then just a little bit later, cause it just, it was consecutive, right? Just right after that, Dane St. Clair has another close range shot that he hits off the line with one hand by Punchek. Like what is going on? Was that the fifth that that was the fifteenth minute fifteenth minute right there that that save you're talking about? Yeah, fifteenth minute. That was right nuts, man. That was nuts. That was like I mean I think James said it in our chat, right? Like save of the year for the presence of mind to just get that one hand out. And we've had a couple times, you know, Dane has had a moment or here or there where maybe he plays too far into the net, you know, and he's allowed a goal or whatever just from body position alone. But that was unreal. That was so that was it was crazy. Like it felt it was it was a goal. And then just one hand smacks it out, right? Like inches. People like I think someone on I saw on the internet said like five inches away, basically, right? From being a goal. That's nuts. Yeah, and we we just talk about like think about how much this is cliche, but how much would just one of those, if just one of those four opportunities, two great saves by Dane St. Clair goal line clearance by Michael Boxall and then an SKC player just slipping, right? Like if any of those four things didn't happen, how much different would this game have been? Oh, I mean, it, it, it energizes your team, right? Like 
Dane St. Clair must have been feeling like he was on top of the world, right? Like he's stopping everything that's coming his way. He knows he's got his defenders got his back. But it also, you know, they were t- they kept bringing up Johnny Russell, right? Like this is the longest streak in his career that he's been without a goal, something like nine games. And he just, what can he do, right? Like he he had so many opportunities and, and they were so close, but it just, we just were better, right? Like, I mean, I bet that plays a lot into what ended up happening shortly after this, right? But like, we had a situation where we're we're feeling like, man, we have dodged some bullets, and they're like, "What are we gonna? We, we've have we wasted all of our punches?" And I, I'd say, Sam, you know, obviously we'll keep talking about. It. I don't want to get too ahead of myself, but I think, you know, the rest of the game, like Sporting Kansas City, didn't have much, right? Like they had so many opportunities early, and then it was just done. They they did not, and. I really liked as much as I despise like these mid game, like coaches interviews. I actually, (laughs) I really liked the Adrian Heath interview in the 25th minute because things were not looking great for Minnesota United. We did look like the worst team, even though we, we were winning the possession battle. We were just so pinned down and we, we weren't, we weren't passing very well. And we were, but Adrian Heath was just so cool and calm in that 25th minute interview. He was just like, yeah, like, I know we haven't been playing great right now, but we have we have survived some dangerous moments. When on offense, we have looked threatening, right? There were a couple of, uh, like I remember Robin Lud had a great shot in there at one point. Um, I think Jan Gregos had a nice shot in at some point. There were moments where we looked dangerous too. Adrian Heath just wasn't phased at all. He was like Han Solo before he was frozen, right? Like, he was just like, <laughs> just so cool, so calm. And yeah. Wasn't long then. That interview was probably the 25th minute, 27th minute. SKC turns the ball over midfield. Reynoso gets the ball, passes it to Molino, who's on the run, and scores the opening goal of the game. Man, you know, we've we've talked a lot in these episodes about the most important players on this team. And man, well, first of all, Reynoso is unreal, right? Like, I think that's known. But just Kevin Molino, like, good for him, man. Good for him coming back from the ACL, coming back from all that stuff to to have the year that he's had. And that was just another beautiful, beautiful goal on his part, right? And Reynoso with just another fantastic pass. We'll keep talking about those passes, but just just what a great, what a great link up. Well, yeah, we're, we're going to keep talking about these passes because what, like seven minutes later, oh. there's another one. Chef's kiss. Chef's kiss on that pass, man. That was nuts. Oh, like again, Reynoso to Molino. What what do you call that? That wasn't a bicycle kick, like <laughs> like a like a sideways bicycle, like a like a <laughs> like a barrel roll, like uh, <laughs> like on Star Fox, do a barrel roll. But just even like just you know like just so many parts of that right. Like I don't know who he kicked it to, but like Reynoso has the ball. He kicks it to maybe Gasper. I don't know who. Maybe maybe somebody else. Whatever, and they kick it back to him, and like. To see him, to get him there, for it to be onside, for it to be onside, and then for for Molino to have the body control to just just get something on it, and just the goalkeeper just sat like was just frozen as this ball slowly flies to the opposite side. That was unreal. Yeah, absolutely unreal. Third consecutive game with a brace for Kevin Molino. Reynoso keeps things going. Again, two minutes later, Reynoso with his 
third assist of the game, off a corner kick, beautiful delivery, puts it right in front of Baki Debasi, and this game is 3-0 in the 39th minute. As I said, and, and and that's his second game in a row with three assists, right, Sam? Did he have three last time out? Yeah, yeah. One of them might have been a secondary assist, but he was credited. Uh, I forget if that was against Dallas uh, in the last game of the regular season or if that was against Colorado. But yeah, like he has eight primary assists in the past four games. I think if you count the secondary assists, I think it's closer to 10. Like dude's unreal. And he and he's trying to get a goal, by the way. There's a lot of opportunities where like you see him and he like he thinks like I could pass it, but I kind of I kind of want to rocket this one in. He had a couple opportunities in the game as well. Like, didn't didn't get didn't score anything right, but man, he is he is just so good, Sam. You think about how many of our goals, and they're coming in a lot lately, and really, all of them. What was the last goal? And I I don't have I'm not going to look this up, and I don't expect you to. But how how many goals ago did Minnesota United last have a goal that didn't involve Emmanuel Reynoso? It's been a while. It's been a while, man. This is, this is a sweet team. God, I, w- I was listening to a Seattle Sounders like radio show today on my way home from work. And they referred to Minnesota United as, you know, just kind of happy to be there referring to the playoffs. And what Have you watched I, these three games, <laughs> right? Like, <laughs> like I, I get at, at certain points in Minnesota United's season, We've been just happy to qualify for stuff, but, but right now we're hot. We are hot. Molino, Reynoso playing out of their minds and our defense is not letting in goals. So offense is hot. Defense is hot. Everyone is healthy. What part of that screams? We're just happy to be here. I'm not in a hizzy about this. I just think that that guy is wrong. (laughs) Well, Sam, you'll, you won't be happy to know that. I mean, maybe you will be. Adrian Heath, Heath will definitely be happy to know this because he loves the underdog story. But we are currently in last, like as far as odds go of winning the MLS Cup, of the four teams left, we're in fourth. So really, yeah, we have worse odds than the New England Revolution. <laughs> well, that's not know. cool. So I want hey, I wanted to pose you a question. I can't remember who it was. Was I can't remember who we had on the show that that asked us. Is Reynoso the best loon that we've ever had? And like, I think we're kind of writing that story. Like that story is being written right now. Was that Grant? I think that might've been Grant. It it seems like Grant. And I think we answered at the time that, you know, there just wasn't a long enough track record to, to make that statement uh, to say Reynoso ahead of Darwin Quintero. And I think we all agreed that, we assume it will be Reynoso very soon. This playoff run, the way it, the way it's going, and already, right, like already, you're seeing things from Reynoso that contrast so sharply with Darwin Quintero as far as like the tracking back and and uh, just his style of play and just how how he brings other players into the game, makes the people around him better. He's he's also just like a tremendous leader. I mean, I think back to. I can't remember what game it was, but we were down one nothing, and he comes in, and he's running around the pitch. He's 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 talking and getting in our guys' faces and telling them to like we need to do this. 
and it changed it changed the whole dynamic of the team. You know, I don't know if we came back and tied or whatever, but he just is such a difference maker in the personality and the effort of our team, right? Like, I think he just does so much good for us, and it's amazing. And I don't know if you could say the same thing about Darwin. No, and nothing against Darwin. That 2018 season was so fun to watch. Even though the team wasn't very good, it was so fun to watch because of him. But now you have a player that is leading this team towards threatening a berth in the MLS Cup final. And how old is he, Sam? How old is he? He's 25 years old. 25 years old. That's nuts. What were you doing at age 25? (laughs) I wasn't wasn't getting three assists in an MLS playoff game, that's for sure. (laughs) Well, hey, in, in the second half, Balloons just came out and did what they had to do. I, I wouldn't say they completely parked the bus. I, they were still threatening on offense, but played more conservative, shut shut Sporting Kansas City down. Hassani Dotson in for Ozzy Alonso in the 72nd minute. Hairston on for Reynoso in the 78th minute. Hayes on for Molino in the 87th. Closed this game down. Not much more to say. Yeah, and, and it was it was awesome to see the depth that we talked about so much going into the season in play, right? Like those three names that you you just said are guys that have gotten a lot of run on this team as of late. And to be able to have them be guys that you can put in um, at the end of the game to save from some some uh, booking accumulations, right? Like I think that was maybe was part of it, right? Like I know Ozzy was was kind of in a, in a, in the mess a bunch. I don't know if you get a card, but I think it was nice to get those guys off the off the pitch and to have you know subs that we can count on because they have been there for important moments already. You know, just speaking of booking uh, accumulation, a lot of people were worried going into this game. Michael Boxall was one card away from having to serve a suspension, and for Michael Boxall to be able to make it through this game without earning that card. That's a big deal because I, I know Molino's on fire lately and a lot of people are saying Molino's got to be our player of the year. I, I don't know. I think at the end of the season, when all is said and done and we're talking about this, it's hard to look, it's hard to look past what Michael Boxell did all season long without Ike Parra. Wouldn't want to be missing him for the Western conference final. So let's talk about these conference finals, man. Sunday, December 6th, Number three, Columbus against number eight, New England Revolution. The Columbus crew have already had like eight or nine positive cases, including star goalkeeper Eloy Room. And then New England has at least two positive COVID cases. Not sure if those are key contributors. Not sure who they are. It looks like the game is going to go on, right? Like you were talking about the the uh, NFL game that the Gotham Rogues were playing when Bain like blew up that stadium. <laughs> The game is going on because no one wants to forfeit the Eastern Conference final. But let's hope it's not too screwed up. Then our game, Monday, December 7th, number two, Seattle. We're traveling there as the fourth seed. I'm still in a little bit of a hizzy about those two extra days of rest Seattle gets, but whatever. We're fully healthy. We're going there. They don't have a ton of fans there. And honestly, the weather will probably be a little bit nicer over there anyway, so... <laughs> I, you know, they kept talking about it in the telecast that Seattle has something like 15 straight home playoff wins. So I think it's time for that streak to end, Sam. 
just like the streak we ended of us never winning at Children's Mercy Park in Kansas City. Yeah, buddy. So we're about to interview someone that actually knows a thing or two about Seattle. If, if you're a loyal listener of the show, you've heard from Cameron, president of Gorilla FC, the supporters group for the Seattle Sounders. We're about to interview him and let him tell us what we need to know going into this game. But Seattle's, you know, they're one of the glory clubs of the MLS. And let's just talk quick. What are the things we already know about them? And then we'll let a real expert come in and talk about them. <laughs> so, Justin, I don't know about you. I keep hearing about their attack. And that's what Cameron talked about, right? Like he talked about how Rui Diaz might be the best player that's ever played for their team. Definitely scared of that attack. Yes. Yeah. Rui Diaz, 30-year-old designated player striker. Also an experienced international with 46 caps for Peru. 33 goals and 53 appearances for the Sounders, an important player for them. Nicolas Ladero, another designated player, number 10, formerly of Boca Juniors. Ooh, we got we got we got a matchup of Boca Juniors 10s, huh? We do. We do. While our guy is a young 25-year-old on the rise, this is a 31-year-old veteran who has been integral in Seattle's two recent MLS championships. His resume also includes Teams like Ajax, Corinthians in Brazil. He has 60 senior caps for Uruguay. Man, like their list of of just like we have Emmanuel Reynoso, right? Like that's our like five million dollar player. They have like three of those guys, right? Like they, they have a they have a DP number six to Paulo, who's like 29 year old DP defensive midfielder from Brazil, you know, wearing Ozzy's old number six shirt in his first season at, at Seattle. They have like three designated players all valued around the same or more as, as Emmanuel Reynoso, but we don't need him. We got Molino and Lude. They, they also have Jordan Morris, who I know from FIFA and from the U.S. men's national team. So I like having Americans on my team, and he has 91 speed at wing. So Ooh. that's good, right? Like that's that's pretty fast. And I think that they, I think that the U.S. men's national team, you know, like they like having him in their group. I don't know if he starts, but he definitely plays a lot. So 39 caps, fast. right? Yeah. I mean, I mean, he plays the same position as uh, Christian Pulisic a lot. So uh, I don't know if he's necessarily in the optimal lineup for the U.S. men's national team. But and I think he's also kind of underrated. I think a lot of times people look to these European players and they want all of them in the lineup. And then there, there's always that there's always those smart fans that are like, what about Jordan Morris? Like Jordan Morris is producing consistently at a very high level. Seattle Sounders are a fantastic team. He's an alumni of their academy. Like, dude's good. Dude's good. He's solid. They got a lot of good players. Let's be honest. And someone that's here to talk more about the really good players. Let's hear from Cameron, the punk rock pariah, president of Gorilla FC. Cameron, we now cut to you. All right, Pot on You Loons welcomes back Cameron of Gorilla FC, big time Seattle guy. Cameron, how you doing today? I'm doing pretty good, Sam. How you doing? Doing good. Doing good. I'm I'm pretty jacked. Our game was just yesterday. You've you've had a few days to cool off, but uh, we were. I mean, we were as psyched up for your game. Maybe not as psyched up as you, but we were greatly anticipating it. And Seattle was watching it and and rooting for Ozzy. So. Uh, we all we all were glad 
that Minnesota won. Yeah, so I, I was wondering about that because I, I put out that poll on Twitter of the Western Conference final will be, and I saw you retweeted that, kind of kind of hijacked my poll, which is which is fun. That was that was fun. I enjoyed that. And you were like, all right, Seattle, you know what to do. And it's Seattle versus Minnesota United. And I, I was wondering, was that bad blood towards SKC or was that just wanting home field advantage or was it Ozzy or was it a mix of all three? Like, what what was that? Why, why did so many Seattle people vote for Seattle and Minnesota United? Yeah, I think it's a mix of all three. I mean, we don't love SKC. We have some history with them from just Peter Vermees as a coach and their style of play is very aggressive. They foul a lot. They, they hack a lot. And, you know, it makes you mad that your players potentially can be getting hurt. Although we all, we, we traditionally have a history of scoring late goals against them to win it. Um, we, I think more, maybe four or five times have scored in uh, injury time to win the game, but it goes back, I think to the U S open cup final in Kansas city where Seattle looked on our way to win the penalty kicks, to win it, to win our fourth in a row, I believe it was, to start out our um, club in existence. And uh, our goalkeeper saved it, and the referee, Salazar, called our goalie. Uh, He said he was off the line, even though the Kansas City goalie was off the line every single save and had to retake it, and then everything fell apart, and Kansas City won. So there's a lot of animosity. I think we more towards the ref than anything there, but that started a lot of the animosity towards Kansas City and just the, the way they play, their style of play against us. But, you know, Ozzy being on Minnesota, we all love Ozzy. We all root for Ozzy. He is still probably the most beloved Sounders player of all time. Even Steve Zakawani was treating, uh, tweeting about it today where he's he was the number one draft pick for the Sounders, um, you know, former Sounders player. Uh, the first year we ever existed, he was drafted. He said, if there's any player, whether he's hurt, older, whatever it is, if there's any midfielder you want on your team during the playoffs for a four-game run, it's Ozzy Alonso. So we just love Ozzy. You know, we'll always love Ozzy. I still, most games, wear my Ozzy Alonso Sounders jersey. Uh, he's special to us. He was known as the heart of the Sounders, and so I think that's part of it. And I think even though you're Western Conference, we like, I mean, we like Minnesota just because Ozzy's on the team. I think there's a kinship between the Twin Cities and Seattle you know, very, very similar in a lot of ways. Um, you know, I think Minneapolis and Seattle trade off consistently back and forth to be the most literate cities in the, in the nation. So I think there's some, we all have our little regional differences, but you've got cities like Seattle, Portland, San Francisco, uh, Twin Cities, Austin, just like destination cities that people want to live in. So yeah, it's just, I think, I think it's all three, but I think Aussie is probably at the heart of it because uh, he's one of those players that transcends teams and that you always root for. I mean, I think the equivalent, if any of you, uh, of your listeners are American football fans, would be like Marshawn Lynch. No matter, I mean, we might not root for the Raiders when he plays for them, but we're always going to root for Marshawn Lynch, no matter if he, I mean, he's retired now, but if he came back again. Yeah. Yeah, I think I just saw a video of him in, I want to say Hawaii, and he was handing out... He was handing out something that was just awesome. It was like something that everyone would be psyched to get, like fancy steaks or it was it was something like that. I, he, he does stuff like that in the past. This, this he he's, he's, he's he's been handing out mask places. It's kind of what Mar- Marshawn goes to his own beat. So 
yeah, he's he's a very interesting out there dude. But uh, you know, we love him in Seattle, um, just like we love Ozzy. I mean, Ozzy will forever and always be a Sounder, even when he's on another team. I hear that, and you know, not as high profile of a player, but you of course have one of our more cherished players in Miguel Ibarra. I, I think a lot of Minnesota United fans think the same towards Miguel Ibarra is if he puts on a green Seattle kit. We hope he, we hope he has a good game. Yeah. I mean, maybe not against each other's teams. Right. Right. And I don't think, I don't think Miguel Ibarra is not going to suit up against Minnesota United. Is he? I mean, he'll be in the 18 probably, but uh, I don't, I, if he came in, it would be for tactical reasons. Maybe they need to spark on offense or something late, but you know, there's other options there as well. So uh, yeah, I don't, he, he's a, a sub that most of the time that would only start because of injury. And I don't think the Sounders have many injuries right now that are undis. I mean, their last week or the last match, uh, Svensson is out, um, because he's not been medically cleared to play. And then, um, AOC or one of our young players is out and Svensson, there was a player that was announced as having COVID on the team but who was away and we still don't know who that is. So we're assuming now it's probably Svensson, but it hasn't been medically released. So we, I, I don't have any information on that, but that's just conjecture on our, on our point that if he's still out, it was probably him who had COVID. Sure. His coach well, had COVID in, in Sweden where he went back and played with them. So. Okay. Well, Hey man, why don't you, so we're about to face in the Western conference final on Monday. No, it's not the first Western Conference final for you guys. I know you've had quite a few in the past. I think fourth one in five years, but but for us, this is this is a pretty big deal. So I'm glad to have you on. Telling uh predominantly Minnesota listeners right now, can you start off just give us a quick summary of Seattle's regular season? Like what what was the story of the season for Seattle? Yeah, I mean, I think starting the season, obviously before COVID. It was that we were planning on making a big run in the Champions League. And usually we don't make big DP signings or just general signings until the summer because that's when players you can get more cheaply because the rest of the leagues around the world open up. And we went all in. We went and signed uh, Jao Paulo uh, out of Brazil and um, some other players and, and just decided, okay, we're going to go for it and then lost in the first round uh, of, of the Champions League in, in a game where we were by far the better team, but couldn't score. And in some ways that ended up being a blessing because rather than investing all of our resources into that tournament, which would have then hurt the regular season because you would have your stars playing in that game. And then because there's midweek games, you need to have some more resting for the MLS games, especially because we have some older players. It let them focus on the regular season and it started out okay. And then we obviously had COVID hit. And then the, uh, as I like to call it, the COVID is back tournament. The the MLS is back tournament happened and the Sounders uh, were hit or miss. Like they looked okay at times, but, you know, got destroyed by LAFC in um, one of those games. And then um, in Portland, obviously one frequent guest of the show, Nate gets to put a little COVID star next to their one other star <laughs> they have above their crest and um, uh, for his, his COVID trophy. And then, something changed. It was almost like that experience in Orlando just brought the team together. And when they came back, they started really playing well and playing in all cylinders. And uh, the break had given Nico Lodero a chance to completely heal. He had um, some, I think it was hamstring issues or something, knee issues, and was just able to come back. And then you saw Jao Paulo and, 
and him really playing together well. And it created this really excellent spine of players up the middle. We have Raul, du Raul Ruiz Diaz at the top and then uh, Nico Ladero behind him and then Jao Paulo in the, in the defense there. And it created a spine of a team where you could have Jordan Morris or Jones or other people come around who are all great. You know, we have great players. Jordan Morris is an MVP finalist, but he doesn't even get mentioned in that spine of the team because they're setting the bases up for him to succeed by creating this really strong center of the field. And the Sounders started playing amazing and beat, I think we won seven to one against San Jose one game. Uh, and the one was they gave a penalty kick to San Jose that if they had looked at VAR, it wouldn't have been a penalty. The other guy stepped on our player's foot and then faked it like he was fouled and fell over. And then down the stretch, uh, the team faltered a little bit away from home. So uh, they started going on the road in the weeks after that, and they, they seemed like clear number one seed in the West, um, battling for the supporter shield, which we didn't know whether or not that was actually going to be uh, granted at the time, which eventually it was. And then they stumbled and kind of really struggled away from home, but still played really well. I mean, yeah, and still played really well at home. So uh, it's kind of been a tale of three three seasons, I guess. You know, there's the COVID tournament and before it, then there's just when they were just on and, and unbeatable. And then uh, the end of the season where it's been really good at home and just struggling if they have to travel. I guess it's lucky that we are at home for this match. Um, there obviously is no crowd home field advantage, but there's probably something to be said for waking up in your own bed, you know, eating breakfast with your family. Uh, even I think uh, the goalie, uh, Steph Fry said, being able to listen to your music in the car on the way to the game, even is just different and something that feels normal. So, you know, Sounders at time have played like the best Sounders team we've ever had, better than the two championship winning teams before, or the, I believe it was the 2015 team that won the Supporter Shield. And then there's been other times where they just don't seem like a cohesive unit. And then how have you guys been in the playoffs, right? You've had two home playoff games, right? One against LAFC and then the most recent one against Dallas. So you're playing well at home. You obviously have advanced into the third round of the playoffs. How would you summarize Seattle's playoff run so far? Yeah, it's interesting. And I think part of it is probably due to the nature of the teams that were being played. LAFC is a team that we played five times this regular, or in, including the playoffs, I think maybe four or five times throughout the season. So it was a team we knew really well. I think the Sounders won all of them, except for that first one in the MLS's back tournament where they just destroyed the Sounders and it wasn't even close. And so and that game was never in question. I mean, the Sounders could have, they had so many shots in the LAFC playoff game off the bar. Like if they had finished their chances, that could have been seven, eight goals. I mean, they probably wouldn't have kept the, the, foot, on, the foot on the pedal at that point, but um, the Sounders looked really, really good. Uh, part of that is the Sounders can build from the midfield and push forward and LAFC didn't have much of a defense. They have dangerous players, but uh, they were also missing a few because of um, COVID concerns and stuff like that. Dallas, on the other hand, really sat back a little bit more, played a little more defense, didn't stretch out their team, and it made it more difficult for the Sounders to score. And really, um, while the Sounders, I think, controlled possession and looked to be overall the better team, they weren't finishing chances and didn't have a lot of shot on goal, shots on goal. Uh, and in the end, it was a header from a defender who hadn't scored in six years that won the game off of a, off a set piece, off a corner kick. So it came down to they had to be successful on a set piece to win because they weren't getting the job done on the field. So it was a very different game, very nerve-wracking game, but uh, you know, it, it wasn't the typical 
firepower that the Sounders bust out to try and, you know, run up the score. Um, not even, you just have shootouts. Last year in the playoffs, the Sounders won in overtime. And I think it was 3-3 heading into overtime against Dallas. So then this match was the opposite, where it was 0-0 until later on in the match when Shane O'Neill scored that goal. So uh, a lot of it depends on how the team plays. You know, if uh, a team like Minnesota, where, um, you know, you have Ozzy as an anchor in the middle there, and I don't know how much he still plays this way for Minnesota, but for Seattle, he played like a quarterback, and most of the stuff went through him pushing forward. And if that's still the case... I mean, you really, uh, and some of the other hot players that uh, Minnesota has right now, it might force the Sounders to play a different style of game. And instead of pushing for those goals, have to be a little more conservative. Sure. And Ozzy is still very big on distribution out of the midfield. Not sure how much Minnesota United you've watched recent in the season, but Emmanuel Reynoso, we're, we're talking about right now, and his distribution from, from more of that number 10 position. Hmm. That so it's almost like we have two quarterbacks. Yeah, no, it's and the Sounders are playing that way right now too with Nico Ladero and 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 JP back there. But yeah, I mean, he's scary. I mean, that's someone that is going to be able to distribute in a way that can really hurt the Sounders defense. That has been known to make some boneheaded mistakes at times. Has been known to shoot themselves in the foot. It's different than an LAFC team where they have you know, a superstar that's coming at you versus a superstar who's distributing the ball to the other people to finish. And so, yeah, I mean, I think that's, that's, it's kind of one of the things why we wanted Minnesota to win. Suddenly it's pivoted to, okay, we're really nervous about this and about him in particular. Sure. You, you lead nicely into our next, uh, next question that I have for you. So what would you say would be Seattle's key to success? Should they win against Minnesota United? Yeah, I think it's really going to it's going to require that spine of the team to be solid. It's going to require uh the the center backs working well together, you know, um we seem one of our center backs is solid and we have a rotating door at the other one, and so it depends on who starts there. And it may require some players to step up who maybe aren't in the lineup as regularly. You know, Alex Roldan, uh the younger brother of Christian has been playing right back the last few matches. And he has been phenomenal. You know, he has not been someone who has started that position. He's just filled in randomly here and there. But he's shown that he can cross the ball. He's he's had some great passes. And so I think really what it comes down to is while the Sounders have those, I think, three superstars and Raul Ruiz Diaz, Jordan Morris, and Nico Ladero, it'll be the pieces around them that'll make that difference. And so their hope, I think, would be to push forward uh, without stretching the defense too far. I mean, they've always been a team where the the left back and right back push up, and then the 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 wingers have to pull back in order when that happens. And so, as long as people are continuing to to either mark their men or pull back into the zones, however they're playing, I, I think it will be to push forward. That being said, if Minnesota decides to hunker down a little bit and go on the counter attack, that that'll probably change how the Sounders have to play a little bit and will dictate more what the Sounders will do. So it'll have a lot to do with the kind of play that Minnesota uh, is doing. And you never know, like Dallas has had two different ways they could have done it. They've had attacking games as well. And they just not to do that. And you saw that it ended up being a close score, uh, a low scoring game. Whereas instead of, you know, LAFC game finished three to one, I believe, but it, it could have been seven to five if, if all the shots had gone in. And, and that's an interesting point there. 
earlier this season, I would have identified Minnesota United as a counterattacking team. That seemed to be how they were playing. But now, since the signing of Emmanuel Reynoso and the emergence of Robin Lude and the Kevin Molino renaissance, and mm-hmm. that the way that offense is playing, I don't think we can consider them a counterattacking team anymore. Yet you still know that they're capable of it. So it is interesting. I used to say, or it used to be a common kind of thought in, you know, the Minnesota United sphere that Minnesota United came with their game plan. And if it wasn't working, they were kind of, they're kind of out of answers. Well, it doesn't really seem like that anymore. I am most worried when it comes to Seattle and knowing that high powered offense, I am most worried anyone that's been watching Minnesota United, they have been pretty lights out in the past several games. They have won, shoot, I think nine zero in the past three. I think we're on three consecutive clean sheets and three consecutive uh, three score games. All three of those, we started out looking bad. We started off slow. We started off sluggish. We started off letting just big opportunities happen for the other team. And right last night against Sporting Kansas City, it could have been 4-0 Kansas City in the first 15 minutes. And I don't think I'm exaggerating there. That is my biggest worry for Minnesota United. I mean, I think that's a, it's a similar thing for the Sounders on both sides of that. I mean, I've seen games where the Sounders come out and whatever their game plan is, they've struggled a little bit. And it's it's almost like hold on to halftime because, you know, after halftime that Schmetzer speeds is, is going to fire them up, the change in tactics they're going to do. And the Sounders are going to come out. Uh, really, it's it's the, the last five minutes of the half and the first five minutes that scare me the most because that's when the Sounders seem to give up the most goals. But you know, there might have chances, but the Sounders don't always finish them early on. But then there have been games, uh, you know, I think LAFC was one, if I recall correctly, it scored in about the 16th minute where you score early on and it changes the game, changes the way both teams have to play. And it can come down to d- how how does the ball bounce. And so for the Sounders, it'll depend on if the team is meshing together, I think, and, and if they're able to complete those passes. Last match against Dallas, you saw a lot of passion from the players where whether it was Nico Ladero or Nuhu, really upset when players weren't going to the right position, yelling at their teammates. And I was a little worried about that because I thought, well, are they going to rub each other the wrong way and not be able to connect on anything? And ultimately, I think it's just because the team knows that they have a chance to be a dynasty, right? If you, you make it to the MLS Cup four times in five years, you walk away with three championships. Uh, I mean, you left your mark on the league. And so... It'll be interesting to see what happens. I do think, and, I, and I'm not saying this as like, oh, the Sounders are for sure going to win. But if I'm a Minnesota fan, it almost based on what was happening early this season, I think you just have to be happy you're there and enjoy the run. I mean, whether that's uh, whether that's this game that's the end for Minnesota, which obviously I hope, or you make it to the MLS Cup. I mean, even if you if you win it, awesome. But you know, having been on these runs before with the Sounders. You kind of just have to appreciate the team you have and uh, just hope that they leave everything on the field. Yeah, and that that's always my mindset. Y- you know, I'm, I'm at an age where it's not the end of the world if my team doesn't win the championship. I was, I was actually on my car ride home. I was listening to a post-game recording by one of your local sports stations that they released on Apple Podcasts. And 
Justin and I were literally just talking about this before you came on. One of the radio hosts, and this is the first time I ever listened to this show, so I don't know the guy's name, but one of the guys on that radio show classified Minnesota United as a team that was just happy to be there. And I I don't think that we're that. I wasn't upset that he said that, but I don't think he accurately reflects how how people are receiving this Minnesota United team. Mm. Yes, yes, we're enjoying every minute the way that you said, but I think Minnesota United fans and I think the Minnesota United players are all feeling like, to borrow a phrase from one of our favorite guys, why not us? Yeah. Yeah, it, totally. It's And you have to have the mentality. I mean, I, I think the Sounders have gotten to a place now where they tend to be the favorite. They tend to be number one, number two, number three in the league every year. And so maybe, um, I, I don't know who made that comment, but, um, you know, Jackson Felch, Wade Weber, uh, whomever else is on the, was on the broadcast that day. Shout out to Jackson, who is a good friend of mine, who, who is the host of the pre and post game show for the Sounders on KJR there. And uh, yeah, I think that... Um, I think maybe the mentality comes from, you know, the seeding, although Minnesota was the four seed, right? So you're not, yeah, yeah. not really that far down, but you still like in, in the preseason, it was, I mean, even the Sounders, sometimes we feel like we, we feel lucky to be there because it was LAFC. LAFC was going through, it was going to be LAFC. There's no chance that the Sounders could beat LAFC. Well, now that, you know, they have all their players back, LAFC is going to beat you. It doesn't matter that you're the number two seed LAFC and it didn't happen. And it's like, oh, look what Dallas did to Portland. Dallas is going to beat you. It didn't happen. And so I think with most teams, and you know, that's not good to give fodder to a team to uh, put a chip on their shoulder. But even when you're the best team in the league, you have to have a chip on your shoulder to win. You don't want to become complacent. So never feel lucky just to be there because obviously you deserve to be there. Yeah. So with all that said, give me your prediction. Who's advancing to the MLS final? And if, if you have an Eastern Conference pick, who, who's going to represent the Eastern Conference as well? Yeah, I mean, I think, um, you know, I, I apologize, listeners. No, no. You don't need but, to apologize. But I'm going to go 3-2 Sounders. I think I think the Sounders will probably go up 3-1, to one, give up a late goal. Minnesota will be pushing, and then the Sounders will just hang on at the end and will win 3-2. to two. That's That's my prediction. Uh, obviously, it hinges on the Sounders' offense showing up, uh, but it's a home game, and even without fans, there is that benefit of being at home. Um, I think out of the East, you know, I have difficulty ever um, giving any credit to a Caleb Porter team. I also would love the Sounders to be able to host the MLS Cup, although it would kind of hurt to to not be uh, present. I also think, having watched New England throughout the playoffs, uh, you can't count out New England or Bruce Arena. And the last thing I like to see is Bruce Arena winning. And so if the Sounders made it to the finals and then also lost to Bruce Arena, I would be really upset. But I'm going to say it's the Sounders hosting Bruce Arena and the New England Revolution on December 12th. Okay. Okay. I think that 2020 is too weird of a year to have the Seattle Sounders in the MLS Cup final. I think Minnesota is going... It's it's not that I don't think that Seattle is a fantastic team. I, I actually have a have a lot of respect for for Seattle and uh, their sports teams. I want to hate the Seahawks, but I can't hate Russell Wilson, right? I uh, 
I remember having a FIFA, having having like a FIFA 14 campaign with Seattle Sounders. I, I understand just the allure of the Seattle Sounders. And I think you guys have all done a great job there. So no disrespect to the Seattle Sounders. It's too weird of a year to have one of the blue chip MLS teams make the final. So it's going to be Minnesota United and either the Eastern Conference teams really fit what I'm saying right now. But I, I think Minnesota United and Columbus, it's just a weird year and that's what's going to happen. Hey, either way, if Minnesota's in the final, not Seattle, I guarantee you Seattle, everyone's going to be rooting for Minnesota, not just for Aussie, which is something that we would, you know, we want Aussie to, to get, to get that ring, but also because uh, you'd have a chance to beat both Caleb Porter and or, uh, <laughs> or this or uh, Bruce arena. And anytime those two lose, it's a great day. So um, yeah, I mean, I think it's, it's not, a, you know, there's oftentimes the team, the team that would beat us, like if LAFC had won last year, I probably would not have been rooting for LAFC in the final. This is one instance where I can solidly say if Minnesota ble- beat Seattle, I will be rooting for Aussie and, and uh, Minnesota United. All right. So here's a question here, because, you know, you've been on the show now twice, and uh, I'm, I'm pretty sure you already agreed to be on the show a third time coming up in the offseason. Yeah. Uh, we're we're, we're going to talk about the team we have in common, but you seem so nice. Everyone, when I went to Seattle, was so nice. Who's running the Seattle Sounders Twitter account that made that just debug statement about the don't put an X in front of our name because making the playoffs is a guarantee or a given for us? <laughs> who, who's the d-bag behind that like were they serious or were they just being- no it's all tongue-in-cheek jokes okay. uh, danny who runs the official sounders twitter is great at his job and it's all you know it's the sounders this is our what 12th year and 12th time in the playoffs there's only one other team with the longer uh playoff run active playoff run in professional sports in the big five leagues and that's the pittsburgh pittsburgh penguins so, uh, yeah, I mean, I think, I think it's, it, it's less hubris and more just like Seattle, here's the thing. And, and maybe people in Minnesota will get this because you have, you have some Viking fans there and then you grew up a green Bay fan, but there was times where they weren't great. And the twins did have that run in the eighties, but some, I bet a lot of your listeners are younger than that. And, uh, and, and, you know, so they they had a lot of down years too, with the exception of the Seattle storms championship in 2000, I think the first one was 2006 or so. Uh, Seattle won the championship with the Supersonics in 1979. I, I was, my mom was pregnant with me. Uh, I was at the parade inside of her belly and <laughs> popped out six weeks or nine weeks early uh, shortly after that parade. Cause I thought this is a city of champions. We are going to be amazing. And then we did not proceed to get a major championship until 2013 when the Seahawks won. I mean, I guess Washington Huskies won the national championship in uh, 91, but we didn't get a professional championship. So uh, Seattle is a city of lovable losers. Up until this run, we were consistently up there with, say, Cleveland as a city of just like constantly losing. So if there's anything that seems like hubris, it's really just reveling in the fact that our history is riddled with hor- some of the worst teams in the history of sports. I mean, <laughs> The Onion wrote an article in 2009 or 2008 
when we were told that we were going to get an MLS team. The Seahawks were terrible and finished last place that year. The Washington Husky football team lost every game. Uh, the Mariners were in last place and lost at 100, over 100 games. And then the Onion said, and to make matters worse, Seattle was his granted an MLS franchise. <laughs> so, uh, you know, we're not that far removed from being that year was probably one of the worst sports years in the history of sports in the United States. So it, it's and, and then that every year since then, we've made the playoffs. Right. That was the, that was so. It's more of a celebration of where we are as a city when it comes to sports, where you just said the Storm win another championship. The Sounders came off a championship year, and now here we are one game away from being in the championship game again. You know, the Mariners are still awful, but at least we have a young team that looks exciting. The Seahawks are in first place right now and look to be back on track with a chance to do a, a deep playoff run where we're going to beat green Bay in the NFC championship game again. So, <laughs> so, uh, you know, it, I think it's more about just like, it's this common feeling that we've arrived. We're actually good and we just can't believe it. And we're just going to revel in how exciting it is. All right. I, I hear you. And you, you know, um, yeah, I, I can understand that, right? Like we get, we get very confident about our, about our teams and what sounds like it could be a joke can come across uh, by the other fan bases as being a little D bag. And I get that that doesn't necessarily mean that you are a D bag because Justin calls me one all the time. So, <laughs> well, I mean, the times where you really see it is if uh, we our, our Twitter account likes to mock the uh, Vancouver Whitecaps Twitter account. That's the time where you'll see there's actually a little D baggery there. Okay. I hear that. Well, Hey man, Thank you for stopping by. We look forward to having you again on the show soon. But, you know, until then, may the best team win. Yeah, thank you for having me. I'm super excited. And um, wh whomever wins, uh, I, I look forward to one of our teams winning the championship. I hear that, man. Right back at you. And thank you to Cameron for coming on the show. It is now time for the much-anticipated Big CF. We were talking about this with the news, Justin, because we went a little longer between episodes. A lot of big CF-worthy things. And, uh, of course, we already discussed the Baltimore Ravens. But, man, Axe Week canceled. What are your gophers doing? The boat is currently in quarantine, Sam. It's not looking good for, for my squad. I guess the silver lining is that, and I said this to you in text message form, that I'm very thankful that we didn't get to play the Badgers because I don't have to listen to you and other people that are Badger fans be just terrible. So uh, we'll wait another year for that game. Hopefully the Gophers can be better next time around. Uh, Axe week canceled, whatever. I've already moved on from college football, Sam. Your team can't do anything any anymore either, so you should just do the same thing, right? Because now they can't even they can't be involved in any... Any Big Ten championship game, right? Right, yeah. Even if Northwestern falls, Wisconsin's out. It's still fun. Like, I still like watching the Badgers. I still like seeing the development. They, you know, they have some young players right now. It was a little bit of a rebuilding year for the Badgers, anyway. Do you think PJ Flack is going to make commemorative rings for not losing to the Badgers, though? What What is this ring thing you're talking? You keep bringing up this like commemorative ring thing. I don't even know well, what you're referring to. You've gotten like to. We talked about this. Sam. We talked about this on this show. He had the rings to say that they were Big Ten West co-champions, even though they they lost to Wisconsin. I thought they that was shirts. lame. They had shirts. Did they get rings? 
They got it, it was on the ring. It said Big Ten co-champions. Who cares? Big Ten, Big Ten West Coach. You care no too one much. Cares. That's yeah. the point. You do. You keep bringing it up, Sam. Move on. Move on, Sam. All right. Let, just, let's talk about cheer, the NFL. You're on your New Jersey running backs. Just keep <laughs> cheering on these running backs from New Jersey and just leave me alone. And all your and, and the Badgers taking all the top recruits from Minnesota. They took another one. You know, just whatever, Sam. Take your they ball. They took on. one in the past week that was committed to Gophers hockey. Yeah, and he was gonna. He was on the fence of whether he wanted to play Gopher football or Gopher or Wisconsin football. And he's like, the reason I picked them is that they just have the greatest coaches that are have such great relationships. And I'm like, whatever, dude, go away, go away, go go have fun in Madison. Madison's pretty fun. It is a fun place. It's so. pretty fun. We're gonna go to a Mingo's game next summer, dude. We will. We will. We will. And I'll, I'll definitely. Can... What's the? What's the? Is it? What's Ian's? Is Ian's the pizza place you're supposed to go to? Yeah, I mean, like I, I'm from there, so like Ian's. I think that's more of like a like if you go to college there, that's like the staple. If you're just from there, I think there are better pizza places in town. That's like um pizza by the slice right and okay. uh like if you're out late at night they have a lot of goofy toppings things like that i think if you're from madison you like ian's but i don't think you consider it like the best pizza in town but i don't know some people all, probably disagree with me all i ever so like there's been one time that i had a couple soda pops in madison late at night and i just remember having a lot of soda pops and going to like a Qdoba at like two in the morning and thinking that was the coolest thing ever. And having a burrito that late was just unreal. So nice. You know, there's, <laughs> there's a, there's a Qdoba like a half mile away from me. I mean, I don't like, I don't like Qdoba in general, but like when you're, when it's 2am. Sure. <laughs> Dude, how crazy was Denver last week? So that was what really taught me that the NFL will keep playing a game no matter what. Because in Denver, literally, they have four QBs, which I'm assuming one of those QBs would have been a practice squad QB. And literally all four couldn't play because of COVID. And it got to the point where they even appealed so that one of their assistant coaches could play QB, <laughs> which the NFL said no. So instead, they pulled an undrafted practice squad receiver named Kendall Hinton off their practice squad and gave him the keys to the car, let him start as a quarterback. And hey, like dude made a completion in the NFL. He only made one, um, but he made one completion of nine for 13 yards, uh, zero, zero touchdowns, but he still got two picks. Like what? Think about how bad some teams are when you're just watching their second string quarterback play and just how unwatchable that can be. And like this, you literally didn't even have a quarterback. They still allowed that game to happen. So I I told, I said, I said in our group chat, that was the game without a quarterback, Sam. Cause on the other side of the field is, is Taysom Hill, the tight end that plays quarterback. So, you know, like a game without a quarterback, that was nuts. Uh, poor guy. I remember looking like I, I wanted to see. I wasn't watching the game, but I, I wanted to see like the stats. And when I checked in, it, he was like, oh, it was like halftime and he was 0 for 7 with a pick. So that was like, 
Poor guy. But hey, you know what? We might be laughing about it, but he got to play quarterback in the NFL, even if it wasn't well. Though, so there was some people on the internet that kind of had a bone to pick with like why Baltimore kept getting shifted back and Denver, you know, like they, they made them play. And it sounds like that there's like evidence that, that Denver's quarterbacks were like, they were just hanging out unmasked together, right? Like they weren't following the rules. And this was kind of more or less like an example making thing. Like, listen, if one of your quarterbacks gets COVID and we find out that you've all been just chilling in your room together, no masks, you still got to play. So we'll see if that changes the way teams operate a little bit. I know was it, uh, one of the teams just got fined like half a million dollars in a in a, a draft pick. Maybe it was like I don't know who it was, but somebody like they're they're starting to kind of bring down the hammer a little bit on people about not not doing the right thing. So I know my my wife's work just released a memo to everyone that if they show up to work knowing that they have COVID, they will be terminated immediately. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Like, and you know what? I applaud that. Right. Absolutely applaud that. If you know, like if you know you tested positive and you show up anyway, I mean, pe- people are dying from this. Way too young. Agreed. Well, man, time to close off this episode. Good to have a nice happy episode. I guess we, we have had some happy episodes lately, but it's good to have another one. I hope I hope we get two more, two more really happy episodes before we transition to the off season, but Let's just give a little fantasy update. I am not good at fantasy Premier League. Um, I keep setting my lineup too late uh, because you you have to set your lineup before any of the games start. It's it's not like NFL where you can just set it before your player plays. But Nate knows how to play fantasy EPL. So he has climbed right out, out of your familiar names. He has climbed to third. Doomsday Jeremy climbed up to fourth. I fell down to ninth. Justin, you're not far behind me. You and Kelvo and Co., you're at 11th. James and his goon squad, they're at 13th. Darkwing Duck, that's our longtime listener, Austin, at 14th. Soccer Bear, another listener, my good friend Buddy, at 15th. The Hodge Squad, that's my brother-in-law, at 16th. And Chad's Boom Zakalaka at 18th. Is Chad even looking at his team, Sam? I don't know. He texted me yesterday. So Chad lives, he's from Minnesota, but he lives like a mile away from Children's Mercy Park in Kansas. And he he texted me yesterday saying that he was very excited that he didn't have fireworks waking up his daughter. So <laughs> gl- glad to know he was cheering on those loons. Shout out, Chad. Shout out, Chad. And then, hey, we we got our game on Monday. We'll record Tuesday night. Get that out to you soon. And yeah, we're we're pumped. We're pumped. Hopefully we can be pumped two more times. Pot on you loons. Pot on you loons. <laughs>